Then let's do this. Let's turn to Colossians. So different than Acts. It's actually not. Does anyone... Okay, I gotta, I gotta be real honest. Not reading Acts this week to like prepare kind of cut me. I like miss it a little. Y'all may not. That's fair. Todd doesn't miss it at all. But I, I do. I miss it. It was... Uh, it's like... Two years of, of just being very open, like two years of my life to read every week for two years. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. So I was actually kind of sad to not this week. Um, so I did a little bit. I snuck some in. But, uh, but it, it really, it's, it's, it was a good um, two years for us as a church, almost two years. Good for us as a church, I feel like. But then also you all just have to know, for me personally, it was really... Um, it was a good uh, time for me to read that in the middle of job change and family rhythm change. And right when we started, Lily had just changed from being director of rehab to working at AISD. And our family has like enjoyed Acts very much, actually. And so it's been, it's been good to read. I love Colossians. I love this passage, so it's fine. But it just has uh, it's been, a weird, it's been a weird week to not read Acts, I think. And... Y'all can rejoice all you want, but I'm, I'm like a little bit in, in a weird morning. Okay, so let's do this. We're going to talk about uh, Colossians 1. We're just going to read 15 through 23, um, and I'll read it, and then we'll read it again and kind of look at a few things uh, and go from there. So Paul here is writing a letter to the church at Colossae, and he's talking about Jesus. He just kind of interrupts this conversation with them. And goes into, it's, it's like he's writing um, from, from prison here. He's writing, and it's like all of a sudden, in the midst of it, he's like, wait, actually, I just want to, he gets caught up just talking about kind of who Jesus is um, to him, but also who Jesus is uh, historically and whatever else. And this is, this is what he writes. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I love that. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a minister. Um, we've talked a lot in a year and a half, two years, about the church, and about its beginnings, and about its martyrs, and about its um, community, and about how we interact with each other, right? And about how we... Um, how we give to one another and what sacrifice looked like and how we're intended to be that. And we've talked about 
kind of how the church decided and how it got interrupted to know this isn't just for the Jews, right? We have the food blanket. And it comes down and expresses that no, the kingdom of heaven is for all. Thus, the church should probably follow that, right? Community should also. If one is one with Christ, then everyone else should be one with them. And so we move from Jews and it being Gentiles and Jews and it being multicultural and interesting and it moves into these missionary journeys and people of other nationalities and other cultures receiving faith in, in sometimes very foreign ways to the giver of that faith. And we have the life of Peter and then we go through this life of Paul and his transformation We have churches being started and churches learning how to act and learning how not to act. We have churches trying to make decisions on who's welcome. We have churches making decisions on how much they should give to another church they don't know. We have all of these things. And and what what I would like for us and what I've enjoyed in just thinking about is a lot of times we can can get caught up in, in those things, which is great. We should get caught up in them all the way. But... We, we can, because we're us, decide how a church should look through that and then just try to do all the things to make it look that way, right? So what's our action plan, right? At, at work, I want to build a house, right? You don't build a house with, like, feelings and memory. You set up a plan and you go for it and you create a structure. And so sometimes I can, I can bring that here and I can do that with... with us as a church, and we can do that with us as a church. We can set an action plan. What are the decisions we need to make in the next year? Like, you know, where are we headed? What is this statement supposed to be? What is this goal supposed to be? Like, what are all these things? We can do that. And I think they're good to a point because I'm a lot of times saying I want us to do them. And I'm submitting when other people say we should do them. So I think they're good. But what we can forget is this idea the preeminence of Jesus superseding, and not just superseding, but infiltrating the whole thing. The fact that Jesus being the head of the church doesn't just mean there is a part of the body that is Jesus, and when we feel like it, we need to go to the brain. That's not, that's not it. It's this superseding, um, intrinsic, decision-making part of us. And Paul would say, it's the whole thing of us, right? So let's, let's look at it again. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, Paul does this a lot in the letters. He'll, he'll discuss how the situations around the church or the church in itself is created by Jesus. But then also, almost every time he tacks on and for him, And this is incredibly important for us. Because yes, we can go back to and read this Genesis song of God creating, right? And and how does how does God create the heavens and the earth? What's the action? Right. This this exhale of voice, this exhale of breath, right? So this this idea that he speaks or exhales existence is beautiful. Right? This thing of let there be. I want something. And it's this, this exchange and interplay of, of, of the intent is the exchange and interplay of breath. And, and 
to set something loose with one's exhale. But then, also, we get here that not only is that exhale just, just because, but it's also for him, for Jesus. The idea that everything would play a part in, in having a purpose and having a goal and having an intention, and that would be for Jesus itself, right? And then going on, it says, and all things are created through him and for him. He is before all, thin, before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, this idea of holding them together is also important because we can be very, very tempted to see the world as something Jesus breathes and then lets go of, right? That he speaks and then just steps back and says, go for it, try to do best, right? All right, I bought you this bat and baseball. Now, go figure it out. You know, don't strike out, is this thought, right? We, we treat it like, here are your tools. I've made you everything. I've written some things for you. Go for it. In fact, Paul wants it to be clear that no, in fact, all things are always held together by that breath, by that voice. That, that the creator doesn't set something loose and, and wind it up and let it ride however it wants to go, but wants to be intimately a part of it at all times. And in this, this idea of all things holding it together, I was trying to think all week, like, what's a good example of that? And the only one I could think of that... that made sense to me and was like, I think best, is like a matriarch of a family. So my family growing up, um, my dad had three other siblings and my grandparents lived in the same town as us and my parents were really young so we were over there all the time. We lived with them for, for a few years and then we would go over, I would spend every weekend at my BB's house. And my papa was there, he's great, but I always said I'm going to BB's house every time. I mean, and I liked him. He was real cool. We went fishing a lot. He was very involved. He was never grumpy. He was wonderful. I mean, great. But the BB, Rebecca Evers, held everything together, legitimately. And not just because she, like, did dishes and cooked. That wasn't, that wasn't it. He helped. We all did things. We, we, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It's just that when she wanted the family over, they came over. And when they came over... She made sure it was wonderful every time, right? She's the one that got up at five in the morning to start cooking, like all the food that was really terrible for us and so delicious, and would, would make all of that. We'd all go to church on Sunday morning and then come back over to the house and have the weekend at BB's house. The kids would all come back, all the grandkids would all play and all these things. And, and what can happen with a, with a matriarch that is the one in our head, like the true matriarch of a family, what can happen is this, as the family ages and, and people get older, what, and what happened in our family is our grandfather passed away, obviously before my grandmother. My grandmother is, is still alive and lives by herself and cooks and is amazing and invites us over still and we all go. When my grandpa passed away, it was, it was still very much, and I don't want to... We, we miss him a bunch, and it's not, I don't want to take anything away from his life and his leadership in our family or anything like that. But the family is still very much held together by my grandmother. And she is active in our lives every day. She calls me still. I'm like, sweetheart, you haven't called me in a little bit. Like, oh, man, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Lily calls her, you know, sometimes. She'll be like, hey, 
awesome is going to call you eventually. You know, does all that kind of thing. Sends all the grandkids present still, right? Sends them letters randomly. Holds it together. The family is interwoven with my grandmother. They are not, they are not mutually exclusive. They can't be. And my grandfather, as wonderful as he is, and as righteous a person as he is, if, if the situation is different, he can't do that. It wouldn't have been possible in our family for him to do that. And, and when we say that in, in, in Christ things are held together, it is very much like an, a weaving and a Jesus makes this work. We, we've got to see it as that way. You're, you're moving about your day. I know it is hard to think this way, and I know it's been abused by people in the past to say, but your day is held together by Jesus' breath. It is, it is not mutually exclusive of it. You can't say, and I cannot say, okay, I'm going to give Jesus this part of my day. Too, it's too bad. Whether you want it to be given to Jesus or not, it is most certainly held together by him. That is, that is the reality is that we don't get to choose, oh, I'm going to give Jesus some attention so that he like, makes this part of my day run smoothly. It's No, no. It's, it is held together and interwoven into Jesus' self and into his breath. He is constantly breathing for you. Constantly breathing with us. It can't be mutually exclusive. Paul seems to want that to be clear over and over and over again because he's seen it be clear to him over and over and over again. Whether he's in Ephesus, you know, arguing over whose temple it is. Or he's, he's, you know, in Athens, discussing foreign gods with foreign people. Or he's getting to teach for two years at a college. Or he's getting questioned by Jews back home. He sees his life held together and interwoven with Jesus. We, we would do well to see it the same. And he goes on and says, he's the head of the body of the church, the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, that in him everything, or that in him he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things on heaven and on earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. So saying Jesus is the head of the church, what does that mean? What, what, just quickly, while you were thinking earlier, what comes to your mind? What is the first like, thought um, earlier before we were singing on what's it mean for Jesus to be head of the church? What's that mean? Servant leadership. Servant leadership, how, how so? Uh, kind of the, the, that preeminence in the kingdom is upside down so that true leadership that Jesus gives to all of us in terms of head would be something that starts from the bottom and then lifts us up, keeps us together. Okay. Okay. What else? What did you think? What comes to mind? I was relieved. Relieved? <laughs> yeah. It's fair. I thought, you know, are, are we listening to him and uh, are we willing to change our plans or even things that we think are foundational to the church if Jesus, you know, has some ideas for us. Okay, say that last part again. 
I didn't are, catch the very last. You know, are we holding too steadfast to the the, uh, the kind of human creation of the church and the and the and the traditions and the things that we hold foundational to what we think of as church? If you know Jesus had had another plan for for how his church was supposed to go, right? Which you're implying too that Jesus had a plan for how the church would go, right? I agree. That's that's one of the things I'm relieved by is like this was the intention the entire time. Like this was the intention, which is crazy to me because we fumbled it up for the last two thousand years pretty pretty aggressively at times, right? But that was the intention. This was the plan, right? It's not like oh my goodness, I am going to have to die, and then. I am going to have to leave and be with my father. I'm going to leave this. Person. No, this is the intention. What else? What do you think of? I know you have a thought. You're like looking through me with your thought. <laughs> First of all, I don't, I don't think that's too simple. That's crazy if that's simple. That's so, because that's what, that's, you're, you're exactly right. That's what Paul's saying, the image of the invisible God. This is God to us. This is, this is our, and you're saying, this is an example of which, how to live. I think that's an incredibly important point. That's what I want to talk about too, is this idea that this is who we mimic. This is who we are to be. Not just you personally, but us as an us. We are, we are to emulate Jesus' actions, Jesus' desires, Jesus' wants, his needs, the intentions of Jesus. That should be our acts, wants, desires, intentions. That is, that is it. This idea that not it just being a body, but it also being a position is important. And I think that's, I, I hear you saying a lot of that, saying like the position of Jesus is one to say, look to this. This is who we need to become. There's a, there's a great difference on us just learning how to act and then us learning who we're to become. It's, it's a big difference there. What else? What else do you think of on Jesus being the head of the church? I think it's not me. Yes. It's not me. It's not you. Who it is not is 1B on what that is trying to say, I think. I agree. That Jesus is the head of that, the one to mimic, the decision maker, and whatever other position we've set up in our scheme of church, that is not the person to emulate. Also, too, when people emulate the pastor, it usually goes really poorly. 
You know what I mean? It usually goes bad. We, I've been in churches where people are like, oh, man, and it's like this hero worship of this person. <laughs> Not this one, luckily. That's good. <laughs> no one's wanted to do that. Cool. I like that. Yeah. You're righteous in that. Good for you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but there's churches like that, and they usually, they usually implode on themselves, right? Usually the person up there knows, and when they know, it gets out of hand, right? When someone assumes that position, they usually show how they should not be in that position, right? When someone says they're the head of the church, they usually tell everyone how they should not be. So here's a few, a few things with you that I think we would do well of hearing that Jesus is the head of the church. For one, I think just this, this idea of this always present held togetherness, um, just in what our brains do for us. I mean, it's, it's not like the body can go check in with the brain. It's not how it works, right? The body doesn't just act. And then when it's like, ooh, actually need some information on what to do. I know what I'll do. I'll go check with the head. That's not how it works, right? It, it doesn't work like that. The, the, the head is the constant information giver, the constant director of body, right? The, the head really does make my heart beat. My heart is, is decent at it because my head is asking it to every time, right? Without being, I don't even know a lot of the science part of this. I didn't even look anything up. But from what I hear, from what I hear, right? It doesn't, my hands don't decide what to do. My brain's like, oh man, that was cool. Good thinking, right? No, it's not that at all. My brain is constantly telling me what to do with them. Sometimes ridiculous things, right? Mind you, but that's, that's what's always happening. My breathing is the same. My awareness of my space, the same. What I'm seeing, the same. What I'm hearing, the same. What my mouth says, we can joke about it running away without our brain. But that's how it works. And for us to remember that, we would do well because we often just check in. We have plans and we want to justify them. We have thoughts or someone else is successful Whatever the hell that means, that's something. And so we decide, we should do that thing. Right, God? Does that fit us? It does. Let's do it. Right? Oh, someone else did this, and that's righteous enough? That sounds good. Let's be righteous enough like that. Right, Jesus? Does that, does that work? And we, then we ask, is that good? Rather than having decisions and, and hopes and intention being derived from there, we're not listening. We're not, we're not letting ourselves be, be one with the head of the church. We're allowing ourselves to be two separate entities and then we'll check in with each other. God will interrupt us, right? We will check and make sure it's okay. And that is not the intended way a body works. Paul comes back to that over and over and over again saying that is not the intended way. The way is to have everything we do, everything we intend Everything we desire and say and are about be directly from the head of the church. Everything. This, this idea, this quote is real in that way, um, and we've heard it, a bunch of us, that this idea that Christ with me, Christ before me, 
Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ to my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down and when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me, every part of the thing that might be me, every part of whatever characteristic is us, us, should be derived, initiated, and intended with Christ. Everything. It's said as if it's not a daunting task, but it is the reality that we can recognize or not. There's not a step checklist on how to get there. But that is how it is. We should recognize that and move forward in light of that. And this, this idea, too, of, of head of the church to, to honestly, like, like you were saying, to, to comfort me, to comfort us, to say that Christ is the head of the church, the church, believers in the way across everything, across everywhere, in every language and in cultures and nationalities and places and types of people and backgrounds. The fact that, first of all, that Christ wants to be the head of all of those and all of us should comfort us. To know that, just like the rest of this passage says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, which I think is really interesting that he talks about the mind there because even our, even our thoughts and our will doesn't even want to be cohesive with the Holy Spirit at all. It doesn't want to play nice with that. Our mind is, is, is interwoven with something else before it's interwoven with Jesus. And to sort that out is at times difficult for us, from even our desire's sake. But regardless... The fact that we were once alienated with our minds, with our actions, with everything about us, just as Paul was alienated and wanted to kill the way, to crush the way, and in doing so wanted to kill the people, to hold the coats, to cast the votes, right? To do that. And then this, this idea that the head of the church says no and is far-reaching and grasped for us. That he is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, us, in order to present you, me, us, the church, holy and blameless, above reproach. That the head of the church would want that. That that would be the desire, even with us, with our crazy, with our minds that want different, with our divisiveness, with our prejudice, with our selfishness and our pride with our love of money, our love of safety and security, the fact that that God's intention would be to reconcile us fully blameless. For us to be a part of the church and to be a part of that head is for us to also be a part of that in the world. Just as he said, whether things in heaven or on earth, whether they be thrones or principalities or rulers, whatever they may be, the intent, the hope, the plan all along 
is to present all of us and all of those things and all of the orders and systems to God blameless as the church. For us to get to do that. For us to get to reconcile the world to him as Jesus did with his body. Is, is who we are to be and who we get to become.